Welcome to Restoration Basics. This is the Preparatory Podcast. It's been a while since we've been back in the studio. My name is Samuel Jordison. I'm Jason King. And I'm Andrew Smith. A lot of things have happened since our last recording. One, Andrew's been to Nepal and India. Sure have. Also, the the world is shut down. (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19 has taken the streets by storm. And uh, it's continuing as of now to climb the cases, and pretty much everywhere is uh, down to the bare minimum. Ah, my work has stopped. Andrew's work has stopped. Yep. As a teacher, I'm uh, working from home. Andrew's work. All right, Jason's working from home. It's just a it's just a big quarantine party. Yeah. Quarantine block party. But don't worry, there's only four of us in this apartment. We are still legal. <laughs> we can't have too many guests, otherwise that uh, breaks law. Yeah. We can't have that. Today, we have a special episode again. This is one that we're not really focusing on a specific chapter in the Book of Mormon. Uh, and I believe the next the next episode we're working on getting out is Jacob 3. That's going to take a little bit to get out because we got a guest coming from Lamoni. So either... We're making a road trip up north, or they're making a road trip down south. But as a special episode, we don't have any rules or regulations on where we can go. So, and and talking before the episode, we kind of wanted to get a feel of, of where we could go. I recently yeah. preached a sermon on peace, and actually, I'm going to be very honest with you guys. Peace, as a kid, was the lamest of the fruits of the Spirit, because all I liked reading about in the scriptures were the wars and the... Uh, the contentions that especially the Nephites and Lamanites had, um, the Old Testament. I mean, all the good Bible stories come from confrontation and a lack of worldly peace, right? Like David and Goliath would have never happened if peace would have been there. <laughs> or, you know, Captain Moroni wouldn't have been Captain Moroni with peace there. But I think what's really cool is in this preparation for this uh, sermon I preached and what what's probably going to happen is my thoughts are going to come out even clearer than they did did on sunday probably didn't make much sense on sunday but and then andrew talking with him i know he has things on peace because just the times we've ministered together and peace has evolved from this time of or in in my mind of lack of war um into something completely different and to something that i actually look forward to and long for i would say if that makes sense so i guess i'll, I'll kick it off and jason you had you had some definitions of peace that you had used earlier. You want to share those with the with the podcast? Yeah. So I was thinking of just some of the normal definitions that we have um, are quiet, calmness, but those aren't even really getting into what it actually is. Um, and then there's another definition that's kind of a bad definition of peace and I just bring this up as a quick little thought, even though it could go more, but we don't really need to take it that direction. But one of the bad definitions of peace is kind of giving up on what's right to appease the world, basically. And that's not something we want to do. As Christians, we're supposed to stand up for what's right. And a lot of those Bible stories that in the midst of wars, they're they're fighting for peace and they're not just laying their weapons down, although some did, but they're not just rolling over and saying, all right, whoever's in charge now is going to be the moral authority <laughs> to where it's like, 
we're not going to let our nation dwindle in unbelief, basically. And that fight was for peace, but the true peace that we'll get into. Well, society has a definition of peace, and you bring it back to when the 60s had that golden age of the the peace-loving hippies, (laughs) which was just the peace revolution that... That that's all that really mattered, you know. Yeah. Live and let live. I was just gonna say, is that was that their motto? Live and let live. Well, it's a popular saying. I don't know if that was specifically the hippie motto. <laughs> but Hippies are too cool to have a motto. Of. Yeah, yeah, they don't. True. They don't organize. <laughs> They're too cool <laughs> that, for the system. That's too much contention organizing yeah. because then you have yeah. people above you. Yeah, it's all about peace. They just got the logo, and that's about it. But technically, if you would have had the if the world's view of peace would have been the correct view of peace, you would have had Zion in 1960, whenever Woodstock was, right? <laughs> yeah, if, oh if all those hippies were, you know, God-fearing Christians, then maybe. <laughs> well, there would have been no, there was no contention, right? Because everyone was, <laughs> but I think we're going to talk about that is, that is not true peace. Not that, well, actually, I was going to say not that peace would be one of the, the recipes for Zion, but actually, I think I know we're kind of all dancing on eggshells here because we don't want to spill the beans on <laughs> on what sets up the whole episode. But it is actually a recipe for for the kingdom of God here and dwelling in it. One one thing also is I think today in the society that we live in, we are absolutely chasing the world's definition of peace which is kind of just the live and let live type mentality and if you look at what the world's going at right now um there there's not a lot of peace there there's so much more contention than ever and but yet so many people are just trying to appease everybody and that's just not working yeah i think it's very evident in right now living in this i mean it's, it's not really a quarantine. It's not a true quarantine. People are just kind of... Yeah, you're free to leave. Right. But. Um, but I think people are, you know, if you ask them what what would peace mean right now to you, it'd be like, well, bread would be back on the shelves. Toilet paper would be back on the shelves. I'd go back to my normal life. That's what peace would mean. And it's dictated by how the world is going and what the problems are in their life. And what we know is that peace looks a little bit different when... You have a different definition of peace, what God's definition of peace is. So Andrew has this definition. I completely stole it from him. When Solomon said there was nothing new under the sun that could be taught, he was talking about me stealing all of Andrew's ideas and using them in my own sermons. But Andrew, <laughs> he's shaking his head no. Um, when Andrew has this definition of peace that we're going to get to, and, and that peace is not the absence of war, but the presence of the Savior. And I think you get that in looking at Paul. So what we know about Paul is Paul did terrible things to Christians. He stoned them in the name of the law, in the name of uh, the God of Israel. He stoned them, had his conversion experience, knew the truth, was was shown the truth, was shown the gospel, and talked with Jesus, and had an experience where he was blinded and healed from that. But in the book of Philippians, I want to show you what true peace looks like. A little backstory on the book of Philippians, the colony of, or the town of Philippi was a Roman colony and, uh, it was, it was pretty stringent or strict in its adherence to Roman gods and goddesses and, and their religion. 
However, when Paul came to town and started preaching the gospel, they were the first town uh, or city in, I believe, Europe, Eastern Europe, to hear the gospel. And when he came there, they had some very strong believers, some very all-in Christians. What happened is Paul is actually thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, and the saints at Philippi send him a gift. And when he receives this gift, he he writes them a letter back, and he tells them how thankful he is for, for them as saints, and he's glad to see how they're doing and how they're so strong in the gospel. Just some encouraging words from, from the apostle here. He, he says, I'm very confident of this very thing, that that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So your guys are going to keep growing. You're going to get stronger in the gospel. He also says he has you in my heart or has them in his heart. And he really longs to be with them because of who they are as people, you know, just to worship with them and, and glory in God. But something that he says here is that because of who how he's not afraid to preach the gospel, even though he's in prison, he's talking about how strong he is in the gospel and how he's still preaching it, even though he's in prison and the possibility is worse that he could die. He says, and many of the brethren in the Lord are waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So here Paul's saying that he's able to preach the gospel and these people who are watching him preach the gospel, even when he's in prison, are growing stronger and they're being more confident and they're beginning their faith is beginning to 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 grow or continue to grow. But here's his true peace, peace. And this is where I think we should get the definition of peace. It's not a it's not a simple, you know, it doesn't lay it out and this is peace, but we can draw peace from it. Um in verse uh 21, um, it starts, he says, But if I live in the flesh, ye are the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I know not. For me to live is to do the will of Christ, and to die is my gain. And now in a strait betwixt two, having desired to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And so here's Paul's peace, is that he is okay whether he lives or dies. It does not matter to him. He's actually saying, if I live, it's more work for me. The, to die is the easy way out. He's so confident in, in who he is and, and the gospel and, and Christ, his relationship with Christ. He's saying, if I die, I'm going back to Christ. I'm going to live with him in eternity. And if I live, I'm going back to work. I'm going to labor to bring more souls to him. And so he's completely... In this situation that I think the world would tell you to freak out, you're in prison, you could die, you know, hey, be quiet, don't say anything, you want to live, get out of there, keep your head low. Paul is saying, actually, I'm at peace right now in this situation because of what I know. I know the truth. I know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and I'm doing his will. That's how confident Paul is. And I think that's so illuminating on true peace that we as Christians, you know, having peace is the presence of the Savior, is being in his presence, being confident in who he is, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, the one true desire of our hearts. If we know that, if we really feel that, then it's easy to be, it's not easy, but but peace, peace is strong with us. Yeah, I, I see that in my own life too, is I've spent most of my life, um, I, I, I'd say I'm pretty afraid of death and whatnot but i find myself 
losing a lot of the fears that I have in the world when I am feeling closest to God and when I have that trust in his plan and trust in his plan of salvation and everything. And it just brings such a calm and peace to me when I do have that presence of God and that spirit. And I think Andrew has another story. I don't know where he he's turning to in his scriptures right now, but he has, he has a story um, found in the book of Mormon that is, is really illuminating on, on peace and, and the version that the world tries to sell us compared to what Christ wants for us. And the, and the story that Sam's referencing is in third Nephi. Um, and I think we'll probably get to that really fast, but you know, as we sat here, we talk about this. I think this is peace right here. And it's just epitomized in Genesis chapter 22. We all know the story and I'll start reading in verse two. This is God talking to Abraham. He says, And the Lord said, Take now thy son, thine only Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, of which I will tell thee. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And then down to verse 7. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon his back. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and Isaac, his son, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he has said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide. I put myself in that situation and I think I could never do that. I could never, you know, I don't have a a son, but put any any person there and I'm not going to sacrifice them you know that couldn't do that but when God asks you to do something it transcends what we think to be as true and not saying or advocating for you to go out and kill people in the name of Jesus because people that did that were a part of the crusades that was obviously wrong but when he he meaning God opened himself up to up to Abraham and said listen, I want you to see a little bit more of who I am. I want you to see a little bit more of my love that I have for you. And he gave him this son, that this son that they had wanted so bad. They had prayed for and fasted for, and, and it had been on his mind for such a long time. And it says specifically, God says, hey, you know that son that you really love? I want you to go sacrifice him for me. And Abraham has this spirit that I can't even comprehend. And I've grown to know this as the spirit of peace. There's nothing else that would make sense other than he he knew who his God was at that moment. And I don't think in any other instance would he be willing to accept the command that God gave him, but because God revealed himself to Abraham because he saw a little bit, maybe just the fingertip of God in that moment. He said, I will do anything for you. And it doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't have to make sense because I love you so much. And that has to be what peace comes. And it's what we'll base the rest of the episode on. I mean, like, not that story, obviously, but that that feeling that I know who my God is. And because I know 
I'll do anything. I'll do anything for him. And and so that story leads perfectly into it that Sam referenced from third Nephi. It it's of the Nephites and they're um, in a time of wickedness. This was right before Jesus comes and appears to uh, the people in, in the Americas. And it says, describes the people as totally divided. They're, they're divided unto their chiefs and their leaders, their families as well. And they, they had very strict laws as to not trespass against each other. They weren't going to fight. And it says specifically that they weren't, they, uh, the laws were so strict that they weren't fighting it against each other. Nevertheless, they only had a degree of peace. And I, and I read that for the first time. I'm like, that's so interesting. Why, who, who would have thought that there would be degrees of peace? You know, if we look at society, peace is a, a return to the norm, a return to calm or everyday life. Like there's bread back on the shelves, like we said, right? But some degree, does that mean there's only some bread back on the shelf? Like some people are back to work, you know? No, it's it's not that at all. And uh, moving on in the story, it says they were stoning the prophets right after that. They they didn't have peace in their lives. They because they were taking the physical representation of peace and saying this is all we need for peace. But peace transcends just the physical aspect. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here real quick because I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little more backstory on the story because I think it's so it it actually brings the point around even more. This is when all the Lamanites and Nephites agreed to set aside their differences, come together, and the Gadianton robbers come. The Nephites and Lamanites, who are now just referred to as Nephites, all together as one, have brought all their flocks, all their grain, all their food together for seven enough for seven years, and the Gadianton robbers starve. Nephites go out, take back their land, slay the the Gadianton robbers. This is at a time when the Nephites, as a people, at least before the time of the coming of Christ, um, this is the time that they were the most united probably ever since they got into the land. I was going to say since Nephi got to the promised land, but they, they were even divided then. I mean, Laman and Lemuel are trying to kill them. This is probably the most united the people had all had been in their time in the New World. And what happens is because they're so they they've waxed strong they have no enemies they begin to get rich and talking about the the worldview of peace they beget get very comfortable um it talks about how um they're rich their clothes are expensive they're you know the the traditional things that nephites and lamanites are described as as being lifted up in their hearts when when pride comes around and and like Angie said, the, the prophets come to town and begin to, to preach repentance to them. And what they say is, this peace that we have now is better than the peace that you're offering because we're comfortable now. Because we have the things that we want, we don't want to repent. And, and they secretly put those prophets to death, which leads to them being put to death, which leads to them backlashing and murdering the chief judge. And and before you know it, their defense of peace, the defense of their worldly view has walked them in to war or a place where they're unable to have true peace. I mean, they're not comfortable anymore. And then they say, this is ridiculous. And then they do what Andrew just said. They divide up into tribes, into families where they all have their own chief judge, where they can all be as comfortable as they want. And that's what keeps war out. 
And that's where some degree of peace is. That degree of peace is not fighting, right? We're not doing anything bad, but also we don't have any freedom and we don't have righteousness and we're not okay. (laughs) We're not okay. Which is, yeah, so important, I think, that the worldly view of peace walked them right into this place where they were angry with each other, where they hated each other. I think it's really important looking forward in this analogy, um, not this analogy, this story that that's so telling for our day is that they were comfortable returning to a norm, but that that was a norm that they knew. And there's a norm that we all have, and it was created inside of us. And um, it says so in, in Jacob chapter 6 and then Jacob chapter 2, um, or Genesis chapter 6 and Jacob chapter 2, I think. that Yeah. And um, it says we were created to bear record of God. We were created to, to, to praise him fairly, fairly simply. It's a weird way of saying it. But, and that should be the norm. But not all of us have experienced it. And so this, this yearning we have to fill this void that, that there's some sort of peace out there is, is so good. And he's put, it, he's put that inside of each of us just like he's put a conscious in, conscience inside of each of us saying, hey, this is right and this is wrong. Well, he's put that yearning for peace inside of each of us as well. And so what these people are doing, they're, they're searching after God. They don't realize it. They're trying to find God. They're just looking in all of these bad avenues. They're looking. And, and yeah. they're throwing out the people who would bring because it's not, it's not the obvious answer to them. Correct. Which, which leads to... Why are they throwing out other people? Well, is it because they're not friends with them? Probably not. It's most likely because it's not coming from themselves. Yeah. And you don't see them get that peace that they want until Jesus comes back. And and I know we've <laughs> we've already said twice already that, wow, this story sums up peace really good. But here's another example. It's in the fourth book of Nephi. You talk about a people that are truly at peace. Um, starting right in the first chapter. And as many as did come unto them and did truly repent of their sins and were baptized in the name of Jesus, they received the Holy Ghost. And the people were all converted unto the Lord upon all the face of the land, both Nephite and Lamanites. And there's no contentions, no disputations among them. Every man was just with one another, and they had all things common among them. Therefore, they were not rich and poor, bond and free, but they were all made free and partakers of the heavenly gift." That's both sides of peace. That's, I mean, that's not just the degree of peace. That's, that's the physical and spiritual part working together. And it's something that we don't see here, or it's not preached by society or by the media. It's, it's um, that live and let live mentality where you do what you want and be happy. And if you're happy, then I'm happy that you're happy. And, it's it's not how God works. It's it's really not because He knows that um, <laughs> He He knows He created you and 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 just like Volkswagen knows what Volkswagen cars should run on, God knows what we should run on. And so when Volkswagen hears that I am putting carrot juice in my Volkswagen as gas, they're like what are you doing? And I'm like, it runs for a few feet. 
Isn't that right? They're like, are you dumb? No, there's something so much better for you. And that's, uh, God obviously doesn't call us dumb, but that's how it is with God. Like he's put us in this place where there's a gaslight in our life. And you're just like, hey, you need this in your life. Not carrot juice. Not carrot juice. And we're like, oh, let's put carrot juice in here. It works last time. It'll get me a couple of feet. <laughs> well, okay. It might get you a couple of feet, but gas does great. Okay. And so God knows better than anybody what your car should be running on. And when he's saying that your car shouldn't be running on carrot juice, when he's saying that you shouldn't be running on this some degree of peace that's described in third Nephi, he wants you to put that gas in your tank. He wants you to have that relationship with him that pushes you towards who you were created to be. And, and I, I see that as we, okay, we, we've said peace is returning to the norm. Well, we don't even know what the norm is because, That's true. I mean, who, who knows what, what is normal, you know? Yeah, we're, we're in the middle of the coronavirus right now and we're all like man to be back to normal that that'd be nice and peaceful but who would have described the world we were living in before the virus as peaceful <laughs> like just returning to norm doesn't mean you're returning to what's right yeah i think we need a supercut of all of andrew's analogies throughout <laughs> you probably should i use so many and they're all blended together and it's they're very of they're, all of our episodes like andy's toys uh, oh, Revenge man. of the Sith, yep. carrot juice. When you said put something in your, I was like, okay, like diesel. And then you went, straight <laughs> <laughs> to carrot juice. Honestly, though, like, is our audio okay? I think, I think that makes the yeah, most sense because yeah. uh, diesel just works too good. Yeah, it'll work in some cars. Most. Yeah. My mom's Jetta runs on diesel. Yeah, it'll ruin the engine if you put regular unleaded in. Yeah, really. Well, also, it'll ruin your engine if you put carrot juice in anything. That's true. Unless unless it's a carrot powered engine, but unless it's a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> uh oh, but the the thing about the norm being um I, I yeah, just in everyday life, how many days do I wake up and it's like, well, I don't know, maybe you could put yourselves in your shoes too and my shoes and it's like, I don't know if you experienced this, but you wake up and you're so ti- I'm so tired and I'm like Oh, you know what? Peace right now would be just be skipping work. Like that's what it would be would be not going into work and just having a rest day. Like that that sounds great. And then what happens? The virus comes around. I'm forced to take rest days. I mean, today I didn't have anything to do. Yesterday I didn't have anything to do. And I spend the whole day, I mean, doing useful stuff. I cleaned my room yesterday. I I read a book, uh, which I haven't done in a while. I read my scriptures, but um but at the end of the day, you're like, oh, you know what? I I just miss having that something I needed to do. Like I need, I, you know, that one day was nice, but I, now I'm getting kind of tired. That's the second day. And I'm like, oh, I should have, I wish I could have gone into work and, and done something. And it's like that, that, that comfort is never there. You're always looking on, it's like the, the grass being greener on the other side of the fence. You're always thinking, oh, you know what? If I could just, if, if I, I'd just be happy if I could go in and 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 go to work again it's the second day and really i don't miss work but i think it's that idea of like 
well, I wasn't very comfortable today. Like I didn't do anything I really wanted to today. I just kind of lounged around and, and read a little bit, but I could have had a more productive day. And because I didn't have a more productive day, I'm not comfortable and, and I'm not at peace. But when I do go to work, all I can think about is, man, I wish I was at home doing the things I want to do. And I'm not at peace here. It's that it's the same thing on a broader scale of peace is not found in the world and doing the things that you want to do that yeah. the human body is, or the human mind is attracted to are not actually peaceful. And it brings us back to Jacob too. And I want to read it because it's really important. And we just went over this chapter. So, all right. So Jacob two twenty seven and 28, uh, or sorry, just 28 and 29. And this is, this is key. The relationship between these two verses is what we've been talking about. It's why the people who had this never before seen in the Americas unity stoned the prophets. Okay. And so I'm going to read this from Jacob chapter two, verse 28 and 29. And all flesh is of the dust and the self same end hath he created them that they should keep his commandments and glorify him forever. And now I make an end of speaking unto you concerning this pride well, he had just been talking in the last uh, about 20 verses about um, the people and there's, he was like, guys, I wish I could tell you something nice. We just went over this chapter last time. So, you, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but he's like, I wish I could tell you something nice, but I can't because you guys have been terrible. I want to tell you all these good things, but you've been terrible. So here's what you get instead. And he first starts before he's talking about what they've like, they're, the the dirty dirty secrets they've been keeping he first goes on about this and it's kind of like in my mind it's it's like the overview of his chapter without writing it down he's just like like this is what i'm going to talk to you about and then he talks about it and then that's the end of the chapter but or that's the end of his speaking but he says listen guys your car was created to run on this kind of fuel you were made to glorify God. You were made to keep his commandments. Genesis chapter six is where it says you're made to, um, 66. Yep. Verse 66, uh, where you're made to bear record of him, but you're made to keep his commandments and glorify him and anything else, anything that you say, no, but my car does run on diesel for a good 50 miles or something. Okay. Well, that's great. But, you're the driver. You don't know more than manu- than you don't know more than the manufacturer. Okay, and that's what he's saying. It, I'm I'm I've told you this, and I want you to understand that because you're not realizing, or because you you're not accepting what God has said to be true, you have this pride in you, and that's what's causing you to to think that this carrot juice is actually beneficial to your car. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about how carrot juice is healthy for you. And so in that analogy, you could be like, well, it worked for me. I felt good. So it's got to work for my car. Yeah. And how you can be like, well, sleeping in felt good. So sleeping in is going to be the key to pe- world peace. When really Pretty much. Not. That's the thing is when we chase what satisfies us, whether that's putting carrot juice in your car or um, just the live and let live attitude of, and as long as I'm not hurting anybody, then I can do whatever I want. But we don't really know what's best for 
us we're just we're just the drivers god gave us these souls that we have that really do have a longing for peace and communion with god and that's the only way we're actually going to satisfy ourselves because yeah like sam was saying you know you wake up one morning all you want to do is not go to work you wake up the next like man i wish go to work you know you're just flip-flopping and you never are truly satisfied because you're just chasing whatever feels good that day but god's like hey i have lived for all eternity i'm not bored (laughs) um just be with me and that that's what we need to strive for is just that communion with God. And that's what every message I ever talk about or what, you know, we tend to talk about is just having that relationship with God. And that's all we can really point you to is to try and seek out that relationship because he knows what's best. He knows that we flounder around and we don't know what's best, but he, he has this great plan for us and this great plan of salvation. And this grace that he gives us and and we we can make our own decisions and we don't have to follow what god has planned out for us because we do have our agency but he he gives us that longing for peace and you can see it in the world but we just have to submit our own will and be able to actually follow what we've been given i think just to to wrap up everybody's thoughts and a nice neat bow is that having the peace being the presence of the savior having true peace being in his presence and and doing what he's asked you to do keeping his commandments peace is a fruit of the spirit which means it comes naturally to having the spirit in your life i i think that's kind of obvious if if you do use the definition of the presence of the savior because it's his spirit so the spirit being there is obviously going to it's it's the presence of of him there with you but that spirit is the key to living in the kingdom of god living with the spirit you know manifested in you naturally bearing that fruit um we know that that is living in the kingdom of god do you guys have any other things before we wrap up andrew do you want to share anything about nepal before we close out Hmm. no i don't uh, we could well i'll save stuff about andy and nepal for something a little later but just to just to further that analogy, just one more step um, about the cars, not about anything else. Don't worry, not going to make up another <laughs> wacky one. I don't think this they're time. bad. They're not bad. It's just I don't know. Like yeah, I they think come I'm out of tracking field. you, and then not, <laughs> I'm not anymore. Like <laughs> they are pretty wacky. I'll, I'll give you that. So furthering this point, just one more time, I think it's really important when. When we talk about our daily lives now, you know, uh, especially considering this virus, we have said, yeah, it'd be it'd be great. Peace would be to to go back to society before this virus. Okay, well, obviously, that's not the case. You're in in this instance, you would be saying to God, hey, my car runs off of physical safety or security. And he's like, no, it's not. It doesn't run off of physical security. You're like, God, but it's so difficult to to serve you when I'm scared all the time. He's like, no, it's not. 
because you're trying to you're still trying to put that fuel in your car you're blocking him from putting what you really need in your car and i would just urge you to as the world is panicking around you as there might be lots of just panic uh, all around that you would have the perspective to say you know what my but me having peace in my life isn't reliant upon me being safe it's not reliant on me having great health care it's not reliant on me having great amounts of money it's not reliant on anything it's reliant solely upon the presence of jesus and and so we just urge you again just like jason said we can't urge you enough to have that relationship with him because that's what your car runs on that's what you need and in this trying time where everything is so confusing and everyone's like we need to to band together to get back to where we were we don't need to get back to where we were we need to get back to christ and yeah, if, where we were sucks it, it yeah. really did <laughs> I two months ago I was unhappy. Yeah. I'm still unhappy. You know, it's not. It's not that the virus is doing anything. It's just affecting our the little circle that's around us, and we think everything in this circle is our life. When there's so much more beyond that circle, and so as the fifth wrap up to this podcast, <laughs> we just want you to know that we're not there yet. We haven't gotten things figured out. We don't profess to have all of this peace in our lives. But the person that you should go to for peace should probably be the Prince of Peace and not anyone else. (laughs) So if we can encourage you to do one thing, put the right gas in your car. Drink the carrot juice yourself. Don't put it in your vehicle, please. Amen. I just want to end with a scripture here before we wrap up. It's section 45, 4D. And in that generation shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, and that sh- there shall not there shall be men standing in that generation that shall not pass until they see an overflowing scourge for a desolating sickness shall come over the land. Great one, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have a different one that I wanted to I wanted to read that one in Isaiah, but it's found in Isaiah chapter 43, and it's God's promise to Israel. Um, It says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passeth through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers thou shalt not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Uh, We just want to end today. Reminding you that we love comments, uh, questions, criticisms, pizza money, anything you want to say. <laughs> anything send we can pray for either. That's true. Too. Prayer requests are, yeah. are, are never a bad thing. Um, I guess we'll end this with the most obvious way. Peace. Throwing up the signs. Gang signs. <laughs>